news sheet. Uh, if you've got a Bible, it would be great for you to open that up as well. The first reading uh, is from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Uh, Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The next reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to 23. Therefore, With minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like flowers of the field. The grass withers and the, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is a word that was preached to you. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is John Forsyth. If I haven't met you previously, and also if I have met you previously, my name is the same as it was. Uh, uh, I've been away the past few weeks. Uh, two of those have been uh, illness-related, and glad to hear that I'm, uh, I'm happy to report I'm on the mend. I will do my best not to cough. 
Uh, please be aware it's a, coast, a post-COVID cough, uh, but you are soon to be far back. Uh, and I was preaching last week at Parkville, so I actually haven't been here for three weeks. And it is a great privilege to come back uh, to meet with God's people uh, and to look at this amazing, uh, amazing truth that Christ has died for our freedom. Before I was uh, a minister priest, I worked uh, for one of the big banks and I worked as a business analyst. Uh, and as I worked there, we had a bunch, this is pre-GFC, so the money was rolling in, uh, and we had these bunch of 23 to 25-year-old consultants. I'm not entirely sure what they did, but I know they earned an awful, awfully large amount of money, between about two hundred to $300,000 a year. Uh, most of them, as I chatted to them over lunch, still lived at home, the vast majority of them, and you find this quite shocking, their mum still packs them lunch. Maybe people are nodding like, yeah, I don't find that shocking at all. <laughs> A few were thinking, I wish I had that opportunity, which my mum still packs me lunch. Uh, they would still buy lunch and they would give me the lunch that their mum had packed. I was not too unashamed to enjoy it. These young men and women had every privilege possible. They were young, they were educated, they were extremely financially well off. They had zero overheads, no rent, no board, not even paying for food. They would, under most definitions, be the freest people possible in a democracy like Australia where you can pretty much do what you want. It's a wonderful place to live. And yet time after time they would come and speak to me and share with me that something was missing. They thought that once they'd achieved all these things, they'd be free. But yet it didn't feel like it. There was something more promised and all these boxes, all these privileges had failed to grant them true freedom. See, we live in a world that is searching for freedom. And there's the kind of Eastern world view where you deny yourself. Uh, Buddha says the way to true freedom lies precisely in the abolishing of clinging. When all clinging has been uprooted, when all notions of the eye and mind have lost their oppressive sting we'll have no more fear, no more worry, no more anxious concern, we'll be free. That's the Eastern world view. Well, our Western view is more of a diversified portfolio of finance and sex and beauty and opportunity and family and power and love and real estate and education. We diversify our freedoms and if we gain these things, we think we have made it. We are free. But of course the truth is these things are terribly, terribly fragile. Bodies become ill. Finances can be lost in an instant. Children seem to never leave home. These are the incomplete joys of our world. They actually never give us the freedom that our souls desperately long for. But what we see when we look at Scripture, when we look at God's Word, is the thing that lies at the heart of true freedom, the thing that's fixed and eternal. Other than our children having a lot of fun. <laughs> doesn't rely on denying self. doesn't rely on finding a freedom ourselves. In fact, it doesn't rely on us at all. 
and what we'll see, it is actually the most beautiful and the most precious thing that there is. Well, friends, over the last few weeks we've been looking at the cross, the most powerful, decisive, loving and at the same time horrendous event in human history and we've been looking at the many perspectives of the cross. We've seen how Jesus has died in our place. We've seen how Jesus has died to defeat our enemies. We've seen how Jesus has died so our sins can be forgiven and today we're looking at the fact that Jesus has died to set us free. And what's really key to this idea of freedom is this biblical idea of redemption. That we are redeemed. That Christ has died to redeem us. And so what I want to do as we go through this topic is kind of ask questions and then see what scripture says in response. So the first question I want to ask is, well, what is redemption? What is this freedom that Christ has won for us? Well, that idea of redemption is, is huge throughout the scriptures. Uh, over 130 times uh, in the Old Testament uh, and about 30 or so times in the New Testament. And there's a whole book of scripture dedicated to redemption. It's the story of Exodus, which literally means the way out, the big exit sign, the big story of redemption for God's people. In fact, right at the very beginning of the story in Exodus 6.6, we have these words where God speaks and says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will free you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with mighty power and great acts of judgment. Very clearly, redemption and freedom are kind of one and the same thing. But there's two other aspects to redemption and freedom that's really important that we understand as we move forward. Uh, The first is that redemption always involves a cost or a price. The root of the word actually means to, to purchase a slave in order to either free them or to make them your own. That's the root of the word. In other words, it involves the idea of buying or buying back to pay what is sometimes referred to as a price of ransom, a price of redemption. And as we look through the Old Testament, we see that people were redeemed, ransomed from a variety of terrible situations such as dead and captivity and slavery and exile. And by the way, we still have this idea, even in our own culture, of redemption. A very kind member of this congregation and perhaps a role model uh, bought me a, a voucher uh, for Brunetti's, a substantial voucher for Brunetti's, for $50 worth of gelato. And I very happily redeemed that voucher. Now, it wasn't free because somebody, very kindly, a role model perhaps, had paid, <laughs> had paid the price, the cost of that, very kindly, for me to inherit and enjoy $50 worth of gelato. You should try it, it's wonderful. Um, Secondly, notice too that redemption has a goal or a purpose or a destination. Yes, redemption is about being freed from some kind of oppression or slavery, but it's also redemption to a new life where you can flourish. That's what true freedom is. It's not just freedom from something, it's also freedom for something. 
And culturally, we tend to understand that first part quite well. We see freedom as freedom from something. It's a freedom to be left alone to do whatever I want any old time. That's what we think freedom is. But fundamentally, what we see when we look at Scripture is that we're not just freed, but we will be freed for a way of life where we actually flourish. That's what we mean when we speak of redemption or freedom. Which leads to the second question of, well, why then do we need redemption? I think it's very interesting that we often speak of being slaves to many things. Uh, things where we can't help ourselves, things where we feel like we, we have no control. We might be slaves to our family upbringing or our personality or our culture or our genes or our education or perhaps your boss or your low self-esteem or your parents' expectations. Here's why it matters, because I think everybody wants their life to change for the better because we are frustrated. That's why we have horns on our cars. It's an expression of our desire to be redeemed and the problems on the eastern freeway. We want redemption, right? Get out of my way. There are obstacles that are stopping me in life. And it's not just ourselves. Most of us would long for a world that is redeemed, a world that is more free. And we are desperately trying to redeem ourselves and others and there are so many options available, education or medicine or money or family or technology or success. And we even speak often of sacrificing ourselves for these goals. There's the cost. But sadly, all these attempts at self-redemption are ultimately window dressing because the human heart remained unredeemed. Um, have a look at how Peter describes this, this idea, this unredeemed way of life, in verse 18 from our, reader of one, our reading from 1 Peter. He calls it, quite confrontingly, the empty way of life. What Peter is saying here is that a life without Jesus may look wonderful and flashy and successful, but actually, ultimately, it won't bring redemption. It won't bring redemption and freedom. Why? Because it actually misses redeeming the most important thing. Because the reality is that nothing in the world can deal with a problem of our own mortality. If you die with the most toys, you still die. And as hard as we try, we actually remain slaves to sin and death. We can't escape. We can't stop ourselves sinning and we can't stop ourselves dying. Now, it's not that the things that I mentioned before are bad. In fact, lots of them are really, really good. I'm all for education. I'm all for family and a wife and kids. They're fantastic. I'm all for science and medicine and success, great. But they won't ultimately redeem our lives. It's a bit like training harder to fix your broken leg. You've got a sore leg, you've broken your leg. What you need to do is do some exercises, some jumping and some running. But yes, yes being fit is good, but it's actually not going to solve the problem. 
That's what those things are. Good, but not fixing the problem. As Jesus says in John 8.34, Truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Friends, this is why we need redemption. We're in a predicament that we can't rescue or free ourselves from. And we understand this intrinsically from the idea of a slave. A slave is someone who can't free themselves. As much as they would long for freedom, somebody else must free them. Well then thirdly, how are we redeemed? Well we have the answer in 1 Peter 1 verse 8. For you know it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. Do you notice how Jesus here is called a lamb without a blemish or defect? In other words... Jesus is actually the only person to walk this earth truly free. The only one who was not in any need of redemption. Not a slave to sin. And what does this precious blood of Christ refer to? It refers to his sacrificial death on the cross. See, friends, this blood is by far and away the most precious thing that you have. Gold, silver, Bitcoin. Well, that was already rubbish, potentially. (laughs) All of those things are rubbish. Success, achievement, rubbish. Christ's blood is is everything. Christ's blood is is priceless. It's irreplaceable. It's incomparable and it's ours as a gift. See friends, the redemption the Lord Jesus offers us is not cheap. It is precious. Indeed, it, it is priceless. We could never afford it but yet he gives it to us freely as a gift. It's a gift of grace. See, friends, to be a Christian, to experience true and deep and eternal redemption and freedom actually costs you nothing because it costs the Lord Jesus Christ everything. And the great and wonderful news, brothers and sisters, is this. There is not one thing you have done that is beyond the redeeming love of God. Not one thing. There is not one thing you've done that the Lord Jesus cannot redeem you from, set you free from. In Galatians 5, our reading, Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Paul is saying all that baggage, all that shame, all that guilt, all all the stuff in your life that that weighs you down, that you're ashamed of, that that is a burden to your soul, that keeps you awake at night, that eats away at your heart, all those things that have enslaved you, 
what the Bible calls the passions and desires of our flesh, have been nailed to the cross, have been put to death. Brothers and sisters, know, know, know that you are redeemed, that you have been set free. In the the wonderful words of Psalm 40, you have been lifted out of the pit, the desolate pit, out of the miry bog and your feet are set on a rock. Certainty and hope and security. See friends, Jesus' death on the cross means you are free forever from that slavery. You have been redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. See, friends, we don't earn it ourselves. We don't redeem ourselves. Christ and Christ alone is our Redeemer. See, friends, if you want Jesus Christ as your Redeemer, you just have to trust him. Hand over your life to him. And here's the thing. Trusting Jesus requires a fair amount of of humility. Because our world says, you can redeem yourself, just pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. But Jesus says, you haven't even got boots, let alone bootstraps. You can't pick yourself up, but I will, tenderly and carefully and lovingly lift you up and set you free. Friends, we are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Well, fourthly, what are we redeemed for? See, as someone who's been redeemed, it's really important that we remember that we are redeemed for a new life in Christ. Freedom is not just, now I can do whatever I want to do. We are created for a certain life where we thrive. In fact, everything is created for a certain life where it thrives. When we see a whale that has beached itself, we don't go, wow, look at that whale exercising its freedom. It wanted to enjoy building sandcastles. We say, no, no, that whale is not free. Whales were not created to frolic on the beach. Whales were created to frolic in the ocean. There is a purpose and place for each of God's creatures, including us. See, God has not rescued us and set us free from the slavery of sin so we can go back into sin again. See what it says there in Galatians 5.13. It says, you, brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Amen. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. That's what freedom looks like. We're not freed from sin to go back into living in again. That's like uh, being let out of prison and then saying, great, let's go break back into prison again. That's crazy. So we're not freed from one another. We are freed to serve one another in love. That is what Christian freedom is. We are freed from being selfish. 
We are freed from being self-centred. And we are freed to be servants of each other. It's about transformation. From loving yourself to loving your neighbour as yourself, as Paul writes in verse 14. You see, friends, the the aim and purpose and design of Jesus' redemption in verse 18 is not only our forgiveness, which is extraordinary, an amazing blessing, but also your transformation. The reason Jesus uh, shed his precious blood was not just to redeem us from sin, as beautiful as that is, but to redeem us for a new life of freedom in service of love. Let me give you a a story as a practical example. Let's just say there was once a company that ran a poisonous gas uh, factory. We're going to call this company the Alex Dunica Poisonous Gas Factory. Sorry, Alex, you're sitting in the front row. And when you're a member of staff, you're free game, right? And the purpose of this factory is to make poisonous gases. Nerve gas, sarin, and it does it with great success. But then, obviously this company is under the management of the flesh. It is unredeemed. But there's a change in management. Their shareholders have voted. And their management changes the name to the Tusi Oxygen Factory. Life-giving. It's no longer to produce poisonous gases. It now produces healthy, life-giving oxygen for hospitals and puppy farms. That's its mission statement. I think it's one we can all get behind. Now, while the management and the purpose of that factory has changed, obviously, as with most changes, it takes a while for different sections of that factory to work out its new role, its new identity, what it's been freed for. And so while the factory should be producing oxygen and marketing oxygen, there are a few areas of the factory that haven't quite got the message yet. They've got to keep reminding the marketing department, stop making those terrible ads, We're not in the poisonous gas game anymore. We're in life-giving oxygen. Stop your old ways and get with the new program. And I know it's a kind of a strange example, a slightly funny example, but the factory that, that produces these two different types of gas is a bit like the believer before and after they come to Christ. See, the person who comes to Christ, has been freed from the flesh. They stop making poisonous gas. But that's not the end of the story, is it? They now have a new purpose, a new goal, serving each other in love. In our story, that's making oxygen. See, friends, like like that factory, parts of our lives may be still clinging to the old way of life, the old sinful way. But as redeemed people, we need to remember, we put to death those areas of our life. And so what we see in the Christian life is not a battle between the old you and the new you, the sinful new and the new you that follows Jesus. No, it's a battle between the redeemed you and the old ways. We are fully redeemed as people. You're not halfway redeemed. You belong to him. He is yours. He is your saviour and also your Lord. Why is he your Lord? Because he has purchased you. 
He has paid the price. We are made in God's image and redeemed by Christ's blood. Therefore we are his. Therefore we serve our loving master with with grace and mercy. See friends, we should be living in a way that that says, look at my actions, look at my behaviour. They show you that Jesus' blood is the most precious thing. You can see it by the way I live. You can see it by the way I've changed. What does that look like? What does it look like when redeemed people live free, Christ-glorifying lives? Well, we have a beautiful picture at the end of our Galatians reading. From Galatians 5:22 and following. As I read the fruit of the Spirit, which may well be, uh, uh, it's a very famous part of Scripture, you may well know it. What I want to do is read it slowly, because what I want you to do is, as we read each of those words, see whether it describes you. And if it doesn't entirely describe you, perhaps there's a moment where you can think about how you need to use your freedom in service of love to other people. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Are you someone marked by love? Or are you someone marked by self-centredness? Joy. I'm not saying stupidly happy, living in denial, but no, there's a sense of deep joy knowing that you are forgiven as opposed to a grumbler who is complaining. Peace. Are you a peacemaker or are you quick to argue and get your own way? Forbearance. There's an important one, isn't it? Because everybody else is so annoying. Are you someone who who exercises and reflects forbearance? Because it's easy to put up with people who are like you. Kindness. In your action with other people, are you seeking to be gentle and kind with them? Goodness. Are you seeking what is best in relationships? Particularly if you are in a position of responsibility in your workplace or in a company or in a family, you have an opportunity to to shape the good, not just of yourself but indeed of others. Faithfulness to keep trusting the Lord Jesus, to be a person of your word, gentleness and self-control. Gentleness and self-control, it's not being a wuss, it's actually when people who are strong and have privilege and power use that not to promote themselves but refrain from using it to promote themselves instead in the service of others and are gentle and self-controlled. Friends, against, uh, against these things, sorry, against such things there is no law. That those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. 
Let us not become conceited and provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, know for certain that you have been redeemed. And hear clearly Christ's call to live out your freedom, so astonishingly purchased for you, with joyful service, with loving service of each other and the one who has paid the ultimate price, the one who has redeemed us. I'm going to pray that as a church we'll be one that is truly free, that rejoices in the freedom won for us by Christ on the cross and a church who lives that out in loving service. After that we're going to stand and sing a reflection on the power of this cross. Please pray with me. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you do not leave us Do not leave us slaves to sin and death. But in your astonishing love and mercy, have rescued us from this empty way of life through the precious blood of your Son, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Father, may we as your people be marked as redeemed people people who are not just freed from slavery to sin, but redeemed for a new life where we flourish as your children. And in all things, may we live by your Spirit. May we seek to be people in all contexts and in all places, marked with love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. May we do so in the strength that you provide by your spirit. Amen.